Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Design Intervention Podcast, a fashion and design podcast hosted by two professionals in the industry. Hi, I'm Susan. And I'm Nicole. This week, we are excited to have our next guest, Amy, who both Nicole and I worked with in our last company. She is going to share with us her design journey. Amy, welcome. Hi. <laughs> We're so happy to have you here this week. Happy yes. to be here. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> so I, I just to give a little background, um, I think the last uh, place that we all worked with uh, was the company that I'm still currently at. Um, and the one that Nicole transitioned out of. And Amy, you are now home with your little baby and share with us your journey, how you started and, and all of that good stuff. Well, I, my journey, I started, I was kind of like thrown in. So I was almost by accident, I guess you would say, because I went to school in Boston. I have an English degree. I'm a journalism minor. I had no intention of being in the fashion industry at all. I thought I had to go to design school. I thought I had to be an FIT grad. And I was, you know, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get into it. So I, I was right. like, I'll just, you know, do English. <laughs> so, I'll get a journalism degree. Did you start off with anything in English or you wound up right in, because I don't remember that. I did not. Do, I mean, I was like, in my head, I was like going to go work for Vogue <laughs> when ah, I first okay. started. Yeah. So my first job was doing, I was doing lookbooks okay. for a, um, called Smith's American. They did, they did like a revamp of this, like basically this, um, uniform company, you know, they used to make like overalls and like jeans and like conductor, like clothing, like workman's clothing, construction so clothing. Was, right. So it was kind of related. So you're doing journalism, but in the fashion. Right. They were like, we need you to, world. exactly. And, you know, it was early, it was before Illustrator and Photoshop were the norm. People were like, you know, I was like going in and they're like, wait, you know how to do this stuff? And I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> like and you, you know, part of my magazine class. Like, what do you mean? Of course uh, I know how to do this. But they it. weren't teaching at FIT, like they weren't teaching at a Parsons, like no one knew what that was. So it was like this thing, you know, I had an right. edge over the fashion students. No, it's great. And, and yeah. I think uh, Nicole and I talk about this a lot. What, uh, what year did you graduate college? 2005. Okay. So, and you're even saying in 2005, because I graduated in, you know, 1989. And you're saying that even at that point, there was still not computer, you know, people were, students were coming out still without computer knowledge or skills. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's interesting. I think the computer was a huge edge for most of us starting out. Right. That was the shift and it kind of got your foot in the door. And if you could do the computer, then you got more opportunities than even if you didn't go to school for it. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's crazy. Right. So how long were you there for doing this, um, this stint? I did it for almost a year. Mm -hmm. I did it for almost a year. One of the designers, um, the head designer I was working for left and he moved on to like a different company and it was new. And he was like, I can't bring you like I need you to have like a little bit more, like you should stay put for a little bit and then like, we'll talk. 
you know, so I stayed and then somebody else left and then there was an opportunity. She just happened to be the children's designer mm-hmm. and she left and she was like, you know, my new company needs help. Like, let's like, just come and see what's going on. And at that point, you know, I was like 23 and making no money. And they were like, give you $10,000 or, you know, I forget right. how much, 10,000, 15, right. whatever it was. And I was like, it was yeah. a, in, a jump, a jump. It was salary. huge for me yeah. at that mm-hmm. time. Right. So I was like, yeah, 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 I'll go, I'll go. So I went and I just kind of, and they were like, yeah, you can do this. Like, sure. I basically faked my way. Right. Well, listen, industry. It, it, <laughs> listen, I, we, we talked about this as well. I went to school for illustration. You know, I talked about this in previous podcasts, how I went to school for illustration and I faked my way through it as well. And you learn, you learn as you're going. So what was the first right. company that you worked at? I worked at Kids Headquarters. I worked for, oh, okay. you know, the, one of the big ones. Right, right, right. So you went right in and you went in as yeah. a designer role or did you go in as an assistant designer? What what capacity did, were you hired at? I as? think I was an associate at that point. Mm-hmm. They were, it was very, I mean, you're in such... Um, small departments that I almost feel like all these titles just don't, it, it kind of almost means like, this is how much you're getting paid. Right. Whatever role you have. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's a yeah. good, that's a great way to put it. It's true. It's like, you, well, you're making X amount of money. We can't, you know, call you an assistant, then you're making too much money. So it's like, they just give you a title to go with whatever salary you're supposed to, to have. So I, I think I went in as an associate. I can't even remember. And then after a while they were like, Oh, you're so quick on the computer. Like, can you also do tech packs? And I was like, sure. You know, cause my, my other company, it was so small that you literally did your own tech packs. You did everything. Right, so then right. I, I was like, then I was like head of production for like a minute. It's crazy. That's you were head of production. It, like for like, a, it was insane or like, or like, produ- it was head, head of production, but basically I was like in charge of tech packs. It was like a fancy oh. You know, I, I want to bring up a really, it. yeah, I want to bring up a really interesting point that, you know, you go into these companies and they'll hire you as a, you know, a children's wear designer, but it might be in girls, it might be in boys, it might be in big girls or, but once you're within a company, it almost, that almost goes out the window because if they have a project yep. and they need you to jump on boys or swim or do a, do a project for big girls, all of a sudden you, you're you're legit. Like you can just do it. So mm-hmm. I yeah. find that that's you're a really willing, funny. Yeah. Yeah. If you're willing to do the work and it's available, you can have at it. And if you need Absolutely. to transition your role at any point, like you just jump in, if you're willing to do it, yeah. they'll give you, and everyone that's the will best way to job. learn. Mm-hmm. Cause the more that you 100%. take on, you just keep growing and learning. Okay. So how long did you stay at kids headquarters for? I think I stayed a year or two. It must've been, maybe it was almost two years. I forget. It was like the, it was like another financial crisis. Right. It was like so when the stock- 2008. Right. So it mu- yeah. I must've stayed. Yeah. Like that makes sense. Years. Right. And then they were okay. just like letting people go. And I was like, all right. <laughs> Well, also in 2008, and I say that because I think across the board, um, what they did, many companies took 20% away, or you were let go, mm-hmm. or, you know, they they just consolidated. So I think 2008 uh, was a little similar in feel of what happened uh, in 2020 with COVID in the exactly. industry. 
Yes. 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 It was a 10, right. At first it was a 10% and then they weren't doing any layoffs and then slowly they rolled out like layoffs. Yeah. So Amy, you were at kids headquarters then for about two years. And then, so what happened after that? So then I got laid off and I went to, I was like, what did I do? Oh, I immediately went on vacation. I went to Florida. I went to California (laughs) (laughs) because I didn't, you know, I was young. I was like, Oh, I'll just get another, like jobs will just come, you know, like, right. Right. And sure enough, like I, I was like on my way to the airport and I get a phone call and it was this company I'd been interviewing. Was it, was a company I've been interviewing with or no, not a company. It was just some guy. It was Ralph called me and was like, Hey, like, right. And he, you know, like you interviewed for this before, like come in for another interview for this other position. And I was like, okay. So then I was like, well, I can't right now. Like I'm going, you know, I'll come when I'm on my way back when I come back from my vacation. So then I go, I interview, didn't get that job. We did a project didn't get that job. And then like, I think a month later or two months later, this other, I, I answered like a Craigslist or something and somebody, I go in for the interview and who's sitting at the table, but Ralph, he had switched companies. <laughs> uh, it turned out. And I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> but it shows how small the industry so, is also. Yeah. Right. I Andrew, it was my third time interviewing with him. And, he, and then I was like, okay, are you going to hire me this time? Like right. it's right. like enough. And he was just like, it wasn't a good fit, you know, with the other companies. And then, you know, at this new company who was at, they were like, this might work. Like, do you, are you open to freelance in the beginning? And I freelanced for a little bit. It worked out. And I stayed for 10 years. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's also really interesting. Um, I think a point that we should also say is that in this industry and a lot of the creatives, uh, they're not sometimes not willing to hire full time. Mm-hmm. And it's under the guise of we'll hire you as a freelancer. And, you know, mm-hmm. that may work for some, but not for others. And I feel like it's a way of getting around paying a creative what they're worth because, um, they can pick and choose the hours or how much they'll pay you, so on and so forth. So I think there's a lot of companies that will say, we'll start it off as a freelance basis. And then if it works, we'll hire you full time. I feel like that is like the industry norm as well. The other thing though, if you get that freelance gig, it kind of gets your foot in the door. And then a lot of times you get a position that you might not have been hired for. So it's kind of like if they bring you in on free as freelance and then you prove yourself, you'll wind up getting that position where they might have passed you up on the interview stage. Yeah, right. I mean, that's a good point. You know, definitely a good point. Yeah. Um, so, Amy, you were at this last company or this is what we're talking about, the company that I met you at for 10 years, correct? 10 years, yep. So you were doing some, what were you just doing the design work or did you have some other side hustles going on? What, what else were you doing in this time? I was doing the designing, but at some point, I think I hit like a wall in the, in the creative process because it, it is so mentally draining sometimes to be, yes. to be expected to be creative all the time that you need right. an outlet and you need something else. So right. I, you know, I started taking these cycling classes you know, and there was this place that I loved in Brooklyn. It was super small, boutique fitness. And you just, you're biking in a dark room 
and it was my outlet. And then, you know, they were, they posted something that was like, oh, you're like instructors wanted. I was like, oh, do I want to be an instructor? Maybe (laughs) because like, why not? I feel so inspired every time I go into class. It's like, maybe I can be the person to inspire somebody else, you know, to give back that feeling that I got from these oh, instructors. Yeah. Yeah. So I tried, yeah. I auditioned, you know, I tried to do it. And, you know, basically I spent a whole year trying to audition for this studio and the, the head instructor was just basically told me I wasn't good enough. Which is fine because looking back on it though, maybe I wasn't good enough for that studio at that time. Right. Right. right, So I took a break, just like you have to take a break from anything, you know, whether it's a project, whether it's, you know, your like life relationships and sometimes you just need to take a break. If it's not working, something has to change, right. You have to figure it out. So I took a a step back. Yeah. Yeah. You have to take a step back. Exactly. So I took a break and then, you know, somebody else called and was like, Hey, like my studio is looking for instructors. Like, do you, are you, are you still a cycling instructor? And I was like, well, yes, yes, I am. I I said yes, because I am right. She's like, okay, come audition. Like, you know, see what happens. And I did it and I got the job. So isn't that amazing? Yeah. You just put yourself out there and just say yes. What do you, what do you have to lose? Just say yes. It's, you know, it's the same thing as how I started in fashion, right? You just say yes and Mm -hmm. you figure it out. And if you fail, it's fine, but you have to say yes first and you have to try. So I did it and it wasn't the best studio fit for me, but I got my foot in the door and I got some experience under my belt. So I stuck with that for a year. And then I, you know, I was still designing and it was still, it was a good balance between and what were the hours, you know, because the nine to was, five design job. That was during the nine to five. So what hours were you cycling teaching? So I would teach either in the morning before work or I would teach yeah. after work. So it was, you know, it's a, it's a lot. They were like 15 hour days right. when I, you know, when I did it, but it was and, worth it because yeah you know, there was the core where I made money to live. And then there was something that I truly enjoyed and I was passionate about, which was nice. And then eventually I, I needed more from cycling. Cause maybe I was like, Oh, I started as a freelancer. Maybe I can go back to being a freelancer and have more flexibility in my day and not have to work 15 hour days. Cause it's about yeah. right. The end goal in your life is to always just work smarter yeah. and not harder. Right. <laughs> you can't just always be like in a be hamster on. wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're going to drive yourself crazy. I'm, well, yeah, I'm in that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still yeah. in that hamster wheel. I get it. So it's like, I tried, you know, you try to find balance and wherever you can find it, you find it. So I auditioned for something else and I got it. And, you know, I, the more I taught, the more classes I got, the more comfortable with myself you are. And then I was able to, with a lot of help and a lot of support, (laughs) I was able to ask, you know, the company I was at for, you know, less hours, more money, like something that would just work better for my life, essentially, for my mental health. So, you know, at, at some point I was, it was very fulfilling to be 
creative and, you know, creative at a job and creative in another, in a different way, I guess. Right. You know, with music and with trying to like lift people up when you know that they're having a bad day. Like that's also like, you have to really get creative with that. If you, if people hear the same thing over and over again, they're not going to be inspired. Yeah. And did you also use your voice at some point? At, when did that come in when you, you were like doing the voice when people were working out? Oh, uh, when I did Precision Run. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, you get, you, you find that, or at least I find that group fitness is fulfilling. And it is, whether you know it or not, you are every day, whether you're a group fitness instructor, whether you're a designer, whether you're just, you know, Joe walking down the street, everything you do has an impact on other people. Like someone is always listening and someone always needs that little bit of extra and that little bit of help. So every, everything that you say and everything that you do is, is helping someone. So it's like, what more, I was thinking like, what more could I do to like help to like make somebody else's day better. So I just, I tried different things. So I tried a precision run class. Um, which basically you're just, you're, you're motivating somebody to run on a treadmill, (laughs) which sounds crazy because you're literally trying to get them to go somewhere without going anywhere. So it's like, what, what do you do? So they have to listen to your voice to, to be motivated. So the, the way that I found was effective was to, to tell a story every time, like the, all the runs are programmed and, you know, I, I don't, I don't have to make them up. You know, they're, they're on a piece of paper for me and I just have to basically remember it and to like tell it to the runner. But like, that's not, to me, that wasn't super effective. Cause I know that when I'm running, I don't, it's like, okay, you're telling me to speed up, slow down, like go faster, go slower, go further, you know, go higher. Go, it's, it's just unmotivating to me. So it's like, how do you motivate somebody? You make it personal, right? So you tell a story as you're mm. running and, I just found that if that worked for me, it might work for somebody else. And it turned out that it did. And people really liked these classes and, you know, I, I got more of it and I got involved in, in that community, which was nice. So at this point though, uh, you were doing this and you were freelancing now for the company that you had been working for, for 10 years. How did that work? Like what, how was that balance uh, happening? So I finagled a, (laughs) there's like a 10 to four office schedule. And then I'm sorry. In design. In In design. Yep. A 10 to four schedule and design. And then I would teach group fitness in the morning Mm -hmm. and at night. So sometimes it was like a a. 6am class. And then I, so I finagled a 10 to four schedule and design. And then I would teach in the morning and I would teach at night. It might be a 6am class. And then I might teach, you know, like a a 6pm class and then work in between in design. Right. But you had this flexibility now that you weren't. Right. And I think that's too with creative, you know, you were asked to be put in these office settings and you have to work nine to five or nine to six or nine to five. And you're supposed to be creative during those kind of hours. And I think that when you have that flexibility, when you could work a little from home or you could start a little later, end a little earlier, I think the whole creative process 
is I think that they would get more out of it. I don't think people who aren't creative realize that. Yes, absolutely. Because you can't be like told that this is when the good ideas come. It has to <laughs> yeah. be. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like absolutely. It's, a it's a feeling, you know? So I think that you should also talk about part of the, you had, cause we sat next to each other and your system of how you worked and your process, you got ridiculously fast. So compared to someone else, you could whip out the boards and whip out the bodies and your process was just way faster than most people. And I think that that is part of what enabled you to get that deal to do the freelance because they knew that they were still gonna get their work done even though you were doing it in less hours. So can you talk a little bit about like what your process evolved into that made you be able to work so efficiently? Yes. I mean, with, in my opinion, with children's wear in particular, because I I don't know if this would work as well in, in different categories, but in children's wear, it's, you're, it's very much a formula. So you have to figure out your formula and then you just, you get faster because it's the same formula. You have to like understand that this is what you're going to do and you have everything organized. And at the end of the, you know, a couple of you, a lot of what my process was, it literally is going back to a library and seeing and, and copying and pasting and just doing an update, let's say, right. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a kid. You're always going to need, you know, a short sleeve top, a long sleeve top, pants to go with it. So really you start with, this is what I need. How do I make it different? How do I make it better? But how do I also make it the same? Because in children's where you're not making, you know, it's not couture. Mm-hmm. No. We're not going to fool ourselves. It's not couture. <laughs> so you had your own library of bodies is what you're Correct. saying. And okay. you worked big picture also. Like you, your formula was you, you had everything and started off like black and white. I mean, we sat next to each other, so I saw it. And I don't think that many people work that way. And a lot of people stumble and it takes them way longer. But so kind of talk about that. I think the be- the benefit, I mean, I don't know about the benefit, but I think the way that I work is different than someone who went to design school and you need to see like you have to make a vision board first and you have to make all these other things that maybe are unrelated to your actual bodies. I think I skipped a step mm-hmm. because I, I mean, I didn't even realize it was a step. <laughs> so I would just go in with the bodies and then I would just tweak it from there because I guess those were my vision boards, right? If I have the bodies there, those are my vision boards and I can just change it until it looked right instead of doing a mood board, doing a vision board, and then narrowing it down that way. Does that and make you sense? you kind of jumped around based off of, so you weren't really wasting any time during the whole process because you jumped around. If you were feeling this style, you went to the board that had that style and build it in, and then you might not finish that board. Whereas me, I would usually work like by a grouping and I would finish it and be complete. I wouldn't normally jump around like that, but you would like be okay doing part of one board and then part of another board and kind of having all these styles that were coming together as they kind of spoke to you. Nicole, yes. new, newsflash, I think I worked like Amy. I, I jump around too. <laughs> I, yeah, and we had this conversation and I didn't. I, right. I really, 
I think I started my part and then passed it and then got it back and then finished it. So I would jump to something else, but you did a lot of like, for years sitting next to you, you always got the leftover with the art. So you had to do so much of the art yourself too. I mean, that's a good conversation to have too, Amy. I mean, you, you did some of your own art. You did your own prints. I mean, that is You have like no choice. Right. You, I mean, push comes to shove, right? You, you have a deadline. You're, I'm jumping. Like if you want to get it, if we want to get it done, someone, I, I can't just sit there, right? I have a, the flexibility of a schedule, but at the same time, I still have to go teach that class, right? So it's like, what do I do? I just have to, I can't sit around and wait for somebody to finish. I just have to figure it out and do it myself. And I think, and I think that it's, it's good in a way because I, I got to learn how to do it, but it's also not very efficient because what happens when you actually need, you know, that person to do the work. Right. Right. It's like, what happens when I'm not there? Right. Because a lot of times you picked up and you did it yourself. So then because they saw that you could do it yourself, it almost hurt you because you didn't get that full-time person because they always thought you didn't need it because you always got it done. Right. Yeah. That stretches you out as, as a creative, It, it really stretches you out. Yeah. And then what would happen a lot of times also was you would do it for the one season they would be great styles and then you weren't working on walmart but they would wind up taking those prints and using them for walmart so then it wasn't even like you could reuse your own stuff that you created right but at that point you know after a while that's that's another thing about this industry you can't get attached to things yeah no you can't at some point i learned you know i used i think in my third year, I got emotional about styles and it just, it doesn't, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it because it's everything I, you know, changes. It, yeah. Everything changes. It's not worth it to get attached to it. It's. I think when you're working for a company, sometimes it's hard to remember that it's not yours. <laughs> so as you're creating it and you're designing it and then you get attached to it and you feel like it's, your design, but really in the end of the day, it's the companies and they can pull it and do what they want. Right, right. So as this past year has happened and, you know, we've all been affected by COVID um, and you've now uh, not working in the design industry at this moment, where do you see yourself going in the next year? What have you been up to? Um, and what do you plan on doing, I guess, with your creative, I guess, skills? I mean, this year has been insane because I went from working a lot mm-hmm. to not working at all because group fitness is also on pause. So luckily <laughs> I had a baby in between. And so I've just been spending the past year really, taking care of him and realizing that, you know, being a stay-at-home mom is not easy. Oh, that's not easy. Either. That's why so it like, works. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. It's easier to go to work than stay it home. It's 100%. Day. You know, so I'm gr- so we I'm give grateful. you credit. <laughs> yes. I'm grateful for every, you know, minute I, I get to spend with him because, you know, this is, you know, I'll, I'll never get this time back. Right. And it goes know? fast. So I'm so grateful, but it is, it's hard because sometimes it feels like Groundhog's Day every yeah. day. And sometimes it feels like, you know, I sit around and I just wait <laughs> for this. 
<laughs> this human to either wake up or like be hungry or need something or, you know, so it's been hard and it's been, it's, it's made me question if I, if I want to go back, like, I don't, I don't, maybe I want to go back to being a designer in an office, but I, I find that I started, um, I started blogging and I, I find that that's a good creative outlet. Oh, that's interesting. Tell us a little bit about that. What uh, are you finding the blogging is related to the fashion? We'll talk to us a little bit about that. So pantlesssociety.com is my blog and it's related to fashion. I think what I've always been drawn to in the industry is of children's where I guess is the, is the fashion and the shopping and, you know, the outfits and like what looks good. And what I personally love about shopping is, is getting a good deal. I don't really know how. <laughs> you you, are, you have power. such a skill for this. It's yeah. It you crank <laughs> to me that I need, you know, I must never pay full price because working in the industry, you know exactly how much things cost right. and you, and I just cannot justify paying full price for anything because I, I just know that that is not what it costs to get made. Right. <laughs> but you, but this skill and you sharing this in your blog is something that is needed because not everybody has that skill. Um, I'll always defer to you if I'm looking for a specific thing and say, Amy, what, what, when's the, you know, where's the best place to buy it? And you will do naturally a whole research on it. Yeah. I love, I mean, that's, I live for, getting a good deal. I live for getting a good sale. You know, I will stock like the hottest boot of the season, even if I have to get it in, you know, during a January sale of of a boot that everyone else is wearing in October, it's fine because I know that the hottest boot will still be good next year. Yeah. But I'm not paying full price and neither should. (laughs) (laughs) And how has your English background helped with the blog? The English background has definitely made... I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's helped. Maybe it has, maybe it's made the writing easier and I just don't realize it because I've, you know, it's just ingrained, but I I think maybe that's helped. Because now you get to share that creative side plus the writing English side. Right. And then all of your superpower of sourcing and finding good deals and then now you're like, what other projects do you have going on? Because you kind of have added some other topics into the blog. Other than sales, yes. I, f- I find that people respond to you sharing a piece of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I guess it's, it's the same in, your des- in designing and in, in group fitness classes. It's when you make it personal, people will gravitate towards that. It's when you know the why of, you know, why you've designed something, when you know the why of when you play a certain song at a certain time, it makes the entire room focus just a little bit more or feel the music and write a little bit harder. Mm. I feel like when you, when I blog and I write about, you know, like a str- I've, I've been, you know, struggling with being a mom and being unemployed and, and trying to find, you know, a way for myself. But when I, I feel like when I put that down in a post, someone else is also struggling and feeling the same way and just, yes. they don't know how to express it. Maybe. Right. And maybe reading it is, you know, reading it and knowing that someone else is going through the same thing 
Right. It's connecting. It's connecting yeah, with your readers. Yeah. And that connection is is what brings In you forward. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really interesting. Um, and I think that uh, you've encompassed, again, what you went to school for and your creative talent and all of that. And it's I think this is really interesting for your future, wherever it might bring you. I mean, it takes, they always say school doesn't matter. <laughs> what you major in doesn't matter, but you know, it might, it might take you a minute to get there, but you'll get there. Yeah. yeah. And I heard something just recently that said that nothing in life is ever a failure unless you stop trying. So as long as you keep trying after you've had a failure in your head, it's not actually a failure. It's just a learning lesson. Yes. In the way. So smart. Yeah. Amy, we thank you so much for sharing your journey and your process. Um, I think we, it, it's really, what, what's the question? Okay. Sorry. Ask the question. <laughs> okay. So as an ending question to every yeah. podcast, we're asking okay. our guests, what is the one thing that you would, what advice would you give to someone who's entering into the field? And then what advice would you give to someone who wants to leave and go on a different journey? Trust your instinct. Okay. So you would give for both? Mm -hmm. For both. Trust your instinct. Okay. Because if you truly believe that you should be in the fashion industry, you should trust your instinct and if you should try. If it doesn't work out, you can always leave. It's not forever. Nothing is forever. You can always leave and you can try something else. But if you want to try, go in and go for it. And if you want to leave, trust your instinct because maybe it's a temporary exit. Maybe it's forever. But either way, if you think that you should leave, it's time to leave. So Mm -hmm. just trust your instinct. That's great advice. I love it. Yeah. Amy, that's really powerful. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Well, thank you everyone for joining us this week. And um, thank you so much for Amy. Where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram. They can find me pantlesssociety.com. Instagram handle is Amy K Chu C H I U is my Instagram. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you again. And until next week, bye. Okay, everyone have a great week. Bye.